My name is Pastor Mike Landsman, and this is the podcast for Zion Stone United Church of Christ. This podcast is taken from my weekly Sunday morning sermons. I pray that as you listen to them, they will be a blessing to you and strengthen you in your walk with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Here's what we have for today. Christ is risen. This morning I'm going to preach on the text that we just heard read from the gospel according to St. John, the 21st chapter, verses 1 through 14. And the sermon title this morning is The Darkness, the Fish, and the Net. Before we dig into John chapter 21 a little bit, what helps us set it into context is chapter 20. And in chapter 20, Jesus has appeared to his gathered disciples two times. The first time they're gathered, Thomas is not present with them. And then the second time, Thomas is present with them. In the first instance, they were gathered together, hiding out of fear from what had happened to Jesus, what happened to them. I think that's a very real fear. Often we think, well, didn't they run to the tomb and see that he wasn't there? They were still kind of unsure what had happened because Jesus had appeared to to Mary. She thought he was the gardener. uh, But then she realized it was him and told them that Jesus had truly risen. But they're still wondering what this all meant. They had been present at Jesus' clashes throughout his entire ministry with the very people who wound up instigating his crucifixion. And I think one of the things that motivated St. Peter's, uh, his, his own betrayal, his own denial of Jesus, uh, where he, you know, Jesus says, before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times, is his own fear as well. And then Jesus appears in the room, and what does he say to them? He says, peace be with you. He gives them his peace. And in the first appearance, he breathes on them. And he tells them that they have been given the gift of forgiving or withholding forgiveness of sins to others. And then he appears to them again when Thomas is present. And then he presents his wounds to Thomas to touch. So Thomas can see that it is truly him. And Thomas falls on his knees and declares him, my Lord and my God. But there's one more appearance here that we, he will give them before his ascension in John's gospel. And this is right here by the Sea of Tiberias. And the Sea of Tiberias is also known as a name that we are all familiar with when reading the gospels. And that is the Sea of Galilee. And so if we are familiar with the Gospel of John, we should remember that, the gospel, uh, that in, in the Gospel of John, at the Sea of Galilee, this is a location where Jesus has performed a miracle in chapter 6. In chapter 6, this is where Jesus feeds the 5,000 men and uncounted women and children with five loaves and two small barley cakes. Five barley cakes and and two small fish, excuse me. Only to follow that up with walking on the sea itself in the evening. And so this is where the disciples return. Back to the location where this miracle happened. Back to doing what it was they were doing before Jesus called them. And that was fishing. Peter basically says to them in verse 3, I'm going fishing. <laughs> and then they're like, well, I've got nothing better to do. I guess we'll go with you. 
And like the other accounts of fishing in the Gospels, they don't catch anything after working throughout all night. Uh, throughout all night. And it says, at night they caught nothing. But at the day it was breaking, Jesus stood on the shore. So Jesus, they don't know who it is yet. They're out on the lake or the sea. They're fishing. They don't catch anything. They've been toiling through the darkness, through the nighttime. Then as day is about to break, they see a man standing at the shore yelling at them. And he tells them to throw their nets to the other side. So they do. And what happens? We read in the story, the net is full of fish. And John immediately perceives that it is Jesus. And he says, it is the Lord. And Peter, in a, uh, I love Peter. He's, he's so zealous for the Lord. His love for the Lord is so, is so pure. He, he had taken off his outer garment to work. He puts his clothes back on to jump in the water uh, to swim to Jesus. And he swims there and he beats everybody to, to Jesus while they're still trying to pull in uh, the boats with, with, pull the boat and the net all at the same time. And I'm sure they were like, Peter, where are you going? We got to haul in all of these fish. You're just going to leave us here to do it? Peter's like, see ya, that's Jesus. I'm going there. So John is the perceptive one, but Peter is the zealous one. And when he gets there, Jesus is already cooking fish and bread on a small charcoal fire. So let's take a look at a few things. In John chapter 6, while they're out toiling in the darkness, or after they're rowing out in the darkness, excuse me, they're caught in this bad storm and scared that they will drown. And Jesus walks out to them on the water and he calms it. And in this passage here in John chapter 21, it says that they were toiling away in the darkness, in the nighttime, and they don't catch anything until Jesus' presence returns to them at daybreak. And one of the interesting things about darkness in Scripture is darkness is often a place where people encounter God. And that might sound counterintuitive to some degree because Scripture does tell us, you know, God is light and from whom there is no, you know, there is no shadow of turning. But we see in the biblical stories, right, in the, in the story of Abraham, when God finally makes a covenant with him, it's basically Abraham just standing back as he's watching this play out in front of him. It says that this happens during a great and terrible darkness. Now, being modern English speakers, we think of terrible as in, as in terrible means bad. Like this broccoli is terrible. This ice cream is delicious. All right, or, or this, this football team is terrible. This football team is good. But terrible in the older sense of the word doesn't necessarily mean something that's bad. Ter it means something that's awe-inspiring. Excuse me, my allergies are acting up a little bit this morning. And when Moses brings the children of Israel to the mountain, right, when they get there, there's a thick cloud of darkness. And God speaks out of those thick clouds of darkness. And it's here with the disciples as they toil and struggle away in the darkness that God is revealed to them once again through Jesus Christ. As the day was breaking, Jesus stood 
on the shore. And through the darkness, out of the darkness, at daybreak, Jesus calls out to them. Let's look at the fish. So they were out on the boat all night. They were out working and they did not catch anything. Well, do we ask, well, were you guys just really bad fishermen? Well, no. Right? They're pros. This is their, this is their job. Right? They knew what they were doing. It wasn't like Peter was a fisherman and then John was like a doctor or something like that. Have you, ever, have you ever done something for a career and you've been very well trained in it and then somebody who doesn't know anything tries to tell you what to do about how you should do that better? Every day. Right? Every day. Amen. Every day. Isn't that annoying? <laughs> it's, it can be very annoying. Oh, thank you. It can be very annoying. Imagine if you went to the doctor's office and they were looking at an x-ray and it's like, well, the, the doctor's like, well, you can see right here at the skiing accident, you fractured your, your, your tibia right over here. So what we're going to do is we're just going to wrap your leg up. And you're like, no, no, that's not a fracture. That's just a line in the x-ray. That's just a scratch. So I'm just going to walk out on it on my own. But thanks a lot for your opinion, doctor. Right? Imagine if we, well, some people kind of live that way, right? But, but it's not like that's what's going on in the boat. They all knew what they were doing. They all were, that's what they did for a living. They weren't bad fishermen. But what they kept doing led to no results for them. And so Jesus, through the darkness, calls out to them to throw their nets to the other side. And when they do, they take in a huge load of fish. Right? So in the story in John 6, Jesus takes the loaves and the fishes. He blesses it and he multiplies it to feed an entire multitude. And here in John 21, Jesus himself provides the very fish and the bread that they will eat of. Because when Peter gets back to the shore, just out of nowhere, there's a fire going and Jesus is cooking fish. And bread on it. And then he tells them, bring some of the fish that you brought and we'll cook it with there. So Jesus himself provides the very food that they are going to eat of. It's a divinely given gift. It is Eucharistic in nature. As it is Jesus giving of the bread and the fish that he has provided for them. Let's look a little bit here about the net. So in Mark's gospel, lots of commentators highlight this fact, right? That, that Jesus says to them in the gospel of Mark, in particular, like, uh, follow me. We all know this passage, right? Or we've at least heard it at least once in our lives. I will make you fishers of what? Men. Of men, right? I will make you fishers of men. So in other words, Jesus is like, this task that you were doing, we're not, you're not going to catch something else. Excuse me for a minute. Sorry. Pardon my summer aller, spring allergies. <laughs> they kick up from time to time. Anyway, so Jesus is using the imagery they're familiar with. He takes the tools of their vocation and he's going to give them a new vocation. The net is used to catch. The net is used to gather. It's the right tool for the job. So they're out here using the right tool for the job. But the net, when we look at through the lens of Jesus, the net is a symbol as well. It's a symbol of the unity of the disciples. Which is why the text notes that the net, even though the fish were many in number, did not tear apart while they were bringing in the catch. 
So only the disciples, as, as they are united in love and in service and in obedience to Jesus and to one another, will they be able to then go into the world and make disciples of all nations. The net is also a symbol of the church itself. The church that continued on in what Acts chapter 242 describes as they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to the prayers. And the church will take in the great catch of humanity into the body of Christ, but only as the church remains faithful in the doctrine and worship handed down by the apostles. Only then will the great catch of fish happen. And the fish is also a symbol for humanity as a whole. Jesus takes the tools of their vocation and then he uses it to shape and give form to their new vocation. They go out doing the only thing that they knew to do. And then Jesus takes that and he rechannels that into service to himself. But they can't do it alone. They can only do it as they're united together in love with one another. And there are many people and even many churches who are out toiling all night. Who may appear like they're taking in a great harvest. But when the end comes, as they drag their nets to shore, the net might break and the fish are lost. Some people fish and fish all night, but will never catch so much as a trout or a goldfish because they have abandoned Christ for extreme ideologies that outright at times contradict or deny the faith outright. You cannot take political ideologies, both on the left and on the right, and you cannot baptize them and put Christian language on them. You can't do that. Because our faith stands contra to the left and to the right. Because sometimes serving Christ, drawing all people to himself, will make us have to stand against the political positions of both the left and the right. Anyway, I don't want to get too deep into that. Because <laughs> I don't want to focus so much on that. So all, the, all of this to say this morning, with the darkness, the fish, and the net, is that we, as the people of God, we have been called to get into the boat ourselves and to row out onto the sea and to cast our nets over the side. That's our vocation. That's our task as Christians. That is something we are all called to do. We are all called to be witnesses to who Jesus is and what Jesus has done to save us. And that becomes very clear. We're right now we're in the season of Eastertide, which is why we're, we're Christ is risen. We're saying that all the time. We're saying that all, and we're going to keep doing it right up until Pentecost. Because we need to keep that at the center of our minds. We have to keep that at the forefront of everything that we do, everything that we proclaim, because that gives shape to our mission. It gives shape to our lives, right? Like our faith, and I, and I talked a little bit about this with the confirmants this morning, is, is that our faith, we're not just learning, we're not just learning dogma. We're not just learning doctrine. We're, just not, we're not just learning facts and figures, like what is the Bible? How many books are in the Bible? What are the books of the Bible? What is the Bible? What is genre? 
The point is for us to be formed in Christ. The point is for our faith to be something that we, that we live out. Our faith is not something that's confined to this building. Many of us live that way. I've lived that way. You may have lived that way. I know most of you don't because you're, you're here and you're great. I'll throw myself under the bus. I've lived that way at times. Like the faith is just an add-on to everything else that we do. Like, well, I do this, I go to the, I see this, I work here, I do that, and then I go to church. But the church is what gives formation and gives meaning to our lives as individuals. Because it's only in Christ, it's only in Christ where we discover our true life. And it is only in Christ we are, we are then tasked, sometimes with the tools of our present vocation, to reach out and to become the type of people that will be able to draw others to faith in him. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, one God. Amen. Thanks for listening to today's podcast. If you have a few minutes, I'd ask you to go to gofundme.com slash Zion's Stone Church Repair Fund. We have some significant repair work that we need to do on our bell tower, as well as some repair work due to a recent lightning strike. Anything you'd be able to help us out with, we would greatly appreciate it. If you'd like to get a hold of me or you have any questions about what you've heard, feel free to reach out at our Facebook page, Zionstone UCC, or you can check us out on our website, Zionstoneucc.com. Thanks for listening, and may God bless you.